0: Hi, everyone. This is Cassie. Just wanted to give a bit of a trigger warning. We do briefly mention domestic violence and an eating disorder in this episode. So if either of those are going to bother you, go ahead and skip to the next and we will see you there. Welcome Welcome to Blood and Blood and and Business. I'm Bethany. And I'm Cassie. Today we are talking about a sister duo literally born and bred for the world stage. They were two of the most glamorous women of the 20th century. One changed the White House forever and set a new template for what a First Lady of the United States could be and would be. The other would wander for a lifetime, trying to find her own limelight and step out of the shadows of her sister. Their lifelong quest? Money, power, and glory. And they found it. But it never quite satisfied the hunger that they both carried. They will forever be remembered, but they lost each other along the way. They are Jackie O, aka Jackie Kennedy, and Princess Lee Radzewill. The Bouvier Sisters. So, this episode is a little bit unconventional in that these two sisters did not have like a business per se together, but they were huge socialites together and they might have had their time literally running the country together. And that's why I had to put it in because it's such a juicy story and so much controversy and like crazy crap went down and I did not know any of it. So, I feel like we had to put it in and I'm going to call it a business situation because they definitely had like an at-home relationship and then they also had a competitive, not professional relationship, but you know what I mean. I think the dynamic that they had back then, if it were to be the exact same situation, but in modern day, it would be like an influencing sister relationship. But they're literally like a personal brand. Like they were in magazines. They were being written about they were being photographed like 100 it, it was a brand it wasn't technically like a business but i mean the reason that we look at all the, of these sibling sets who worked together is because it adds another level of stress and like their 24 7 is um like heightened. tangled up in each other. They're just involved in every aspect of each other's lives and that is absolutely applicable here. I'm excited about this story. So without further ado, let's start to hear about who the heck we're talking about. They were alike in a lot of ways. They both loved the arts and were both guilty of spending actual fortunes on the contents of their closets. They loved everything European, but their favorite place was Lasada, East Hampton, New York, where their father encouraged the genius and beauty in everything that they did. But they were different people at their core. One loved to sink into the back of the classroom with her nose in a book. One wanted everyone to know her. One was a flirt. One was more about practicality. One always struggled to find funds, and one attracted money like it grew on trees. One submitted herself to the traditions that she grew up in and made the most of the roles of her time. She took all she could. The other rebelled against the boundaries forced on her, sacrificing comforts, security, and praise. One wrestled with her identity her entire life, trying to find a way to shine on her own stage, and one fought the overwhelming publicity and clung to the little privacy that she was allowed. Two sisters, money, husbands, camera flashes, couture sunglasses, and too much tragedy for one lifetime. The Bouvier girls were very, very much a product of their parents' influence, so I need to start with the world that these girls were born into because it is an extreme one and one that I definitely have never experienced and probably will never fully understand. They grew up in a bubble. They were the 1% of the 1% born into a gold-accented apartment on Park Avenue, New York, New York. When eight-pound baby Jackie with her dark hair and sparkling brown eyes entered the world on July 28, 1929, she would be sharing a birth year with Audrey Hepburn, and Frank, Martin Luther King Jr., June Carter Cash, and Dick Clark. Her mom was 22, smart, aggressive, beautiful, and she was a horseback rider. Her name was Janet Lee Bouvier, and she loved telling people that she was a descendant of Robert E. Lee. She was a patriot, she loved her country, but that story just simply wasn't true. (laughs) She was actually from a family of Irish immigrants who fled the potato famine and then just made fast money in America. I don't really get the motivation behind making up such a story about your family, like who cares where you came from. But back in the 1900s, and especially in high society like that, it was definitely a big deal of like who you came from, who your ancestors were, all of that. More than reputation, it was just like, I belong here almost. It's kind of what it sounds like. It's like the opposite of a scarlet letter. Like you have the seal of approval of like, you should be with us. Yes, that's a really good way to look at it. Jacqueline Lee Bouvier got her middle name from her mother's maiden last name, and then they got Jackie from her father. His full name was John Vernou Bouvier III. Even their names are like high class. Literally. <laughs> but their dad went by a name that suited him much better. Black Jack. He was 38 years old, a stockbroker, and until his marriage to their mother the year before, was New York's most sought after bachelor with A year round tan, muscular build, and shiny black hair. Wait, so he was 16 years her senior? That's a controversy. He's like almost in his 40s and she's barely in her 20s. Yeah. Tom Collier, Jack's friend from Yale, remembered him ditching classes and track to pursue girls instead. You will see he is a freaking player. Here's Tom's comment about Jack he could walk into a room full of women, and 95% of them wanted to be with him. He was that charismatic but he was confused about it. Once he'd been with a woman, he lost interest in her and moved on to the next. He treated them poorly. At night, he'd take one girl up to his bedroom, and the next morning, a totally different girl would emerge. He'd have them lined up beforehand, maybe three or four a night, and he'd kick them out as he used them up. He maintained interest in a girl only if she didn't succumb, but ultimately, they all succumbed. So a Blackjack and Janet, the sister's parents, were complete and total... Opposites, and honestly, they probably should have never been together in the first place. According to Jack's cousin, Jack was never Janet's first choice. He, in fact, was her second choice. Second to his brother. Oh. Of the two brothers, Bud was more simpatico. This is the cousin telling about it. He had the elegance and sensitivity that Jack lacked. Jack simply never grew up, he wasn't at all introspective. His only concern in life was himself and the fulfillment of his own drives. Everything in Jack's cosmos revolved around the bedroom. Did you say which brother is older? He was born in 1891 and his brother was born in 1893, so so Jack was 2 years older than Bud, so he was the older brother. And he's the one who never grew up. That's so <laughs> yeah. bizarre. You would think the opposite. I would have thought for sure Jack has to be the baby of the family. I also thought that like until I fact-checked myself i thought that jack was the little brother and they have like the same mommy and dad yeah Hmm. and they're only two years apart yeah they're only two years apart interesting So maybe that's why still because we're two years apart we're two years apart and i don't really act like the older sister but you don't act like the baby of the family that never grew up but what if they didn't have a third sibling? i still feel like that's weird for the older brother to be the one that's like i mean it's pretty weird but he apparently had a strong personality so this is that cousin continuing Jack was divinely decadent and Janet, the girl's mom, was painfully proper. They were fire and ice. I doubt she ever really wanted to marry him. She adored Bud, but because Bud was divorced and an alcoholic, her parents wouldn't allow it. So she wound up with Jack. I don't think he was any more anxious than she to get married. Like he probably didn't want to marry her either. It was just something he did to prove to himself that he could do it. He didn't want to marry her. He wasn't in love with her and she wasn't in love with him. She was in love with Bud Bouvier. The Black Jack Bouvier family spent most of their summer months and weekends in East Hampton living in a house out of an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel. But as for put together and well-to-do, as they certainly were, they also had their fair share of trouble and, as you can imagine with those for parents, um, they had some instability at home. Although Jack loved his kids, family life really didn't slow him down at all. In fact, when he and Janet went on their honeymoon, they didn't even make it across the ocean on the boat before Jack was caught flirting, or Janet says it was more, with a 16-year-old tobacco heiress. And he's already 38, like, right now? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Not a good situation. I mean, not that it even really matters, but... I mean, yeah, but...
1: Like, they're on their honeymoon
0: and he's flirting, period, but the fact that he's flirting with a 16-year-old... Heck no! All kinds of issues. Gone peacing out, our marriage would have lasted less than. That's what she should have done. So he was almost just as reckless with his money as he was with his love life. He never cared for like the high society part of their lives. That was more Janet's thing. But money was something that he was very interested in. Sadly, he was pretty bad at handling it. He borrowed money from. Everyone he knew with basically zero effort to ever pay it back. But it wasn't like he was borrowing money just to like get by and and pay the bills. He was borrowing so that he didn't have to like slow his life down at all. He spent money on anything and everything whenever he had the chance. And when he didn't have the chance, he threw a party. <laughs> That's so weird that her parents thought that he was like an acceptable choice what? because... I yes. feel like he would have just as bad of a reputation as an alcoholic would, like his brother. Why was the alcoholism like the non-negotiable, but he's like sleeping around, not good with money, constantly borrowing No, I don't people. even think it was the alcoholic part. I think this shows you what the culture was like, and I think it was the divorce part that was like really the thing. Oh, I didn't even hear that. He's divorced? He was divorced and an alcoholic. It's like in that Taylor Swift song where it's like, how did a divorcee yes. land that marriage? Yes. Wow. That was like a deal breaker because it comes up in another story, in another episode. Getting divorced was a black mark on you. That was the Scarlet Letter. So the Yale friend, Tom Collier, literally referred to him as the original East Egg Party Boy. Do you know what that's from? No. Think Gatsby. You don't remember East Egg and West Egg? No. F. Scott Fitzgerald literally wrote about the Hamptons, and it was in the in his book. It's East Egg and West Egg, and you know the little green light at the end of, I think it's West Egg, and that's where Daisy lived, Daisy Buchanan, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and then he lived on East Egg next to the cousin. What's his name? Audrey would know it. Yeah, she would. We need our third sister. He somehow managed to be one of the only ones in the Roaring Twenties, which was an economic paradise. To lose money. Obviously, once the Great Depression hit, that didn't make matters any better either, and the stock market crashed the same year that Jackie was born. How long had they been married when Jackie was born? July 7th, 1928, and she was born. July 28th, 1929. So a year later. Literally almost to the day a year later. So they were married for like two or three months when she got pregnant. So Janet's dad, the girl's maternal grandfather, stepped in because Jack is spending all of the money (laughs) that he doesn't have and the stock market crashes. So he kind of tried to rescue them from that financial situation. So he put them up in an extravagant 11-room apartment that he owned on Park Avenue, rent-free, and offered them interest-free loans to try to gain control of the whole financial mess. But he had strict stipulations that he was gonna require them to abide by if he was gonna do that. So Black Jack would have to give up a lot of the luxuries that he was used to. So he took the loan from his father in law and immediately, immediately starts tearing down walls in his father-in-law's apartment that they're living in and remodeling it with gold plated toilet paper dispensers. This dude almost seems like he just wants to get in trouble. Like he just doesn't even Yeah. Also he sounds like he's in his twenties. And you he's can't almost 40. Like that what? discontent. Like what is going on? Yeah, you have some major issues. Like, deep-rooted. Either you just have to destroy things, like it's like an identity thing, or... I, you know what? Like a self-fulfilling prophecy type of a... I feel like it had to be something with an identity thing. Because he he had a reputation. And it was almost like, oh, crap, now I'm married, and I have a freaking child. Yeah, I need you have to, to be, keep up that, like, playboy. Yes. Like, I need geez. to be wild and interesting. Yeah. Still. Especially in a time and class where like you You had to be somebody you had to be somebody and if you weren't like the best of the best the richest of the rich then you needed to be like the f-boy that like didn't care and was just there to have fun and like throw the parties i'm gonna call it right now black jack Bouvier was a freaking four because if he wasn't gonna be special and unique for good he was gonna freaking get it for being bad yeah Like, be unique at all costs. It's not like he has, like, massive businesses going for him and he can just be like, well, I just decided to, like, get it together and blah, blah, blah. Like, he had nothing else going for him other than his reputation. He had a, uh, like, built-out gym put in with all the latest equipment. And while the renovations were going on, they couldn't possibly stay in such living conditions. So when Jackie was around a year old... He and Janet went on a month-long European vacation and left her in New York with a nanny. Shut up. So this was the situation that her little sister, Lee, was born into. Caroline Lee Bouvier was born on March 3rd, 1933. So her birthday is literally 3-3-33. Oh my God, how cool. So her dad was the one who just started calling her Lee. Her real name was Caroline. Her and her sister's personality... By her mom's stories and stuff, they were, like, super contrasting from the very beginning. Jackie was direct and matter-of-fact, and Lee was polite almost to the point of being, like, diplomatic, just naturally here to please and kiss babies and, you know what I mean? Poised. Yes. Their mom always told this story that, like, paints a perfect picture, so... The elevator operator in their apartment building was named Ernest and he had like a blonde spiky hairdo. One morning, little Lee skipped into the elevator and said, Ernest, you look pretty today. Ernest was about to thank her when Jackie interrupted with, how can you say such a thing, Lee? It isn't true. You know perfectly well that Ernest looks like a rooster it sounds like such a bratty thing to say but i feel like you would be like that of like don't lie you're lying yeah like you're, you're are, doing that person a disservice don't you're do that. that's rude yeah you need he needs to know that he looks insane and he needs to do something about it yeah. and you're telling him that he looks fine the black and white world versus the like whatever's gonna make you like me more that's what i'm gonna say mm-hmm Though Jackie was super intelligent, and at the top of her class in all the private schools that they attended, her teachers almost unanimously agreed that she was a problem child. I feel like this is you. (laughs) Like, black and white, calling teachers out, being like, you know what, you're wrong. Let me tell you something. Where did you get that fact? Because I don't believe it. You're wrong. So her mother said that she was only hyperactive because she was bored. Here's a quote from Janet, their mom. Jackie's intellectual ambition ran ahead of her chronological age. She was extremely precocious, reading books like The Wizard of Oz, Little Lord Fauntleroy. I think that, that one is so funny. Literally, I've been told I look like Little Lord Fauntleroy so many times. What? By father. Oh my god. I had no idea who that was, and the dad was like, look it up, honey. So Did Googled you look it, it. up? Yeah. Yeah. Do you look like the him? haircut? It's because of the baby babe. Oh bangs. yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, I need to look this up because I feel like I've I had never heard of this book, and then in the last like few months, you've never heard of Little Lord. Well, Fauntleroy? I like barely have, but then I hear it all the time now. Like it must have been super popular. Oh my! <laughs> in my defense, yes. Little Lord Fauntleroy has a girl haircut, so for sure, yes, he does. So she was reading like those types of books and Winnie the Pooh before she even started kindergarten. This is the rest of um, Janet's quote. One day when she was six, I found her reading a book of short stories by Chekhov. I asked her if she understood all the words. She said yes, except what's a midwife? Her problem at Shapin, that's the private school that they went to, was sheer boredom. Jackie would finish her classroom lessons before any of the other children and lacking things to do would make a nuisance of herself. She could be audacious and demanding, even show a handful for those in charge of her. And that was part of the problem, but Jackie also just hated regimentation. One day, a classmate told Janet that Jackie was the worst behaved girl in school and was sent to the headmistress almost every day. She asked Jackie what happened when she was sent to the headmistress office and Jackie said, well, I go to the office and Miss Stringfellow says, Jacqueline, sit down. I've heard bad reports about you. I sit down. Then Miss Stringfellow says lots of things, but I don't listen. It does sound like me. If you're listening on the podcast, Bethany's arms are crossed right now. <laughs> she is. Listen, we're just misunderstood problem children. It's we're not problem true. children. We just think that we're adults before we are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you're not even wrong. So it's just an attitude, right. like it, a, a delivery problem. Not yeah. even an attitude it's, problem. It's like a delivery, respect, social norm problem. Yeah. The social norm is that five-year-olds are not supposed to tell adults back-talk. how to be. Yeah. <laughs> So the most standout quality that her classmates remember about Jackie was her fierce competitive edge. Here's a comment from an employee of the East Hampton Riding Club on Little Jackie. Jackie was a fast learner. She thrived on competition, often performing better in the actual horse show than in practice sessions. The larger the crowd, the more proficient her ride. Her entire family turned out for the shows. All her little cousins, her mother in her own riding outfit, her father in a white garbting suit her Bouvier grandfather in his Panama straw hat. If Jackie happened to lose an event, her facial muscles would tighten into knots. Her mouth and jaw would pull as taut as a rope. She wasn't happy unless she won, unless she beat all the other little kids. And then here's what a fellow horse rider had to say. You could always tell from the expression on Jackie's face whether she'd won or not. She was so intent on winning that she permanently soured her sister on the sport. The Bouviers owned a piebald pony, Dance Step, that once rolled over and nearly crushed Lee to death. Between that incident and Jackie's aggressive attitude, Lee opted for her bicycle and gladly forgot about horses. That would be interesting to be the oldest child with that personality.
1: I mean, I'm sure it. even it's... in the,
0: the brother's relationship, like the, the dad and his brother's relationship, mm-hmm. Being the oldest and being like the crazy rebellious. The dominant. Dominant yeah. personality. Especially in that society, the oldest already has some favor. Oh, for sure. The firstborn birthright. Yeah. It's just a thing. And so that and then on top of that, her being such a dominant personality so extremely barely had a chance to feel okay about the situation yeah and like how much that would direct your interests because Mm -hmm. like yeah you don't want to do anything that your sibling is doing because they're always going to win yep you are picking up on some themes in this story i mean you'll see but a lot of lee's life was trying to find an identity separate from her sister Their mom also pigeonholed them into roles like a lot of moms during this era, but it definitely did not help. So Jackie was the intellectual one and Lee was the one who would, quote, have 12 children and live in a rose covered cottage. You'll see later how untrue that that would be for Lee. And maybe she would have been like that if she hadn't needed to like buck The system and Buck, everything that everyone was saying about her, and the system that was like so aggressively trying to tell her who to be. Mm -hmm. It's like suffocated her so much that she couldn't even be who she would probably naturally be. Their mother ridiculed Jackie as well on her masculine hands, her broad shoulders, her kinky, wiry hair. Her hair was never, never okay with her mom. No matter what they did, honestly, neither of the girls felt that what they did or who they were was ever good enough for Janet. So although their childhood was incredibly turbulent and their parents were actually insane, the girls' earliest memories were almost all sweet. There was no competition in the summers with their dad. This time would always serve like an anchor for any other experiences that they had. In their memories, their dad was always in the ocean in Lasada, which I like love that picture. This is from Lee. He taught me to trust the sea and share his love for it. I can still hear him calling out to us. Come on, swim out to the last barrel. Now get under those waves so you won't get somersaulted and torn to pieces. Here comes the beauty. Ride this one in. Hold my hand. Hang on to my shoulders. Let's go. Being with my father during those early summers, having him to ourselves for days on end was a joy. What made this hard as they grew up, though, was that Jackie was their dad's favorite and he didn't really hide it that well. She looked almost exactly like him and she was named after him. Some people say that Lee was her mom's favorite, but from what Lee says, I don't think that Lee ever felt that way. Jackie seemed to always be the more precious one, even in their like make believe games. Jackie would always play the princess, and Lee her dutiful handmaid. Okay, but that is like the (laughs) definition of an oldest and the littlest sibling. You want to tell our story? I I would literally. We would go to church and they would give us candy and I would collect my Specifically double bubble. Double bubble bubble gum. And I would collect mine. I wouldn't eat any of it. So then later in the afternoon on a Sunday when we're supposed to be doing our chores... I was like, Bethany, I'll give you two pieces of bubble gum if you clean my room. And she would do it. I was addicted to bubble gum. She was. Honestly, it I, sounds like you were my handmaid or whatever, but legit, it was worth it for both of us. Yeah. And I liked cleaning and organizing. So it like really wasn't that big of a burden it for me. It was totally worth it for but her also and totally worth it for such, me. But uh, like such like oldest younger sister dynamic 100 also with me and audrey audrey was constantly being put in scenarios that she ne- didn't necessarily like want to be in like yeah. play-wise i would always make her be like the puppy in my oh, no. <laughs> in my fantasy world like she would be the puppy and i would be like the mom with like the baby dolls so uh, yes exactly all of these things that are in the lee jackie dynamic are all very normal things but stacked on top of each other 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 and then no correction of those things it just got out of hand so yeah. it's gonna keep getting worse and worse like pile, like keep piling but i up. yeah and i don't think that any of it was like malicious or meant to be that way but right you'll see and this scenario probably happens a lot in like different yeah families but i do think the class that they were in the time period that they were in and then also later in life i mean we know that one of them becomes the first lady and like Mm -hmm. that just makes everything there is no more extreme obviously yeah yeah Yeah, you're literally like the queen of america in the heyday of america in the golden years yeah when everyone in the world wants Wants to be an american from america so basically you're the queen queen of the world you're the queen of the free world (laughs) but it fits so well in the, like, older sister, younger sister stereotype, I guess. Because the younger sister, especially, like, when you're little, is just so happy to be there and so happy to, yeah, be a part of it and so happy to be included by their older sister, who they worship and want to be like and are, like, want to be friends with, that the older sister just already has the upper hand, already has the advantage and can kind of get away with murder- because their little sister just wants to be with them. Jackie has the upper hand in her relationship with her dad. Yep, in her birth order. Because of her birth order, because she looks like him, and because she has his name. Yep. Then she has the upper hand in the relationship with the mom, because she needs to be defended by her mom, so her mom feels like she, that's her role, or like she's needed in that scenario, or in that relationship. Yep. And I think moms always want to feel needed. Yep. And then with her little sister she's the older big sister that's fun that can like and then on on a show and then on top of that she also has a more dominant personality and is super competitive and is really good at pretty much everything she does she's amazing in school she's amazing at horseback riding like everything she touches turns to gold she's literally the female Midas to be following that act I can't imagine there you have three options fall in line ignore it or you choose the third option, which is what Lee did, and you spend every waking moment trying to change, trying to rip off your, your shirt tea jacket. leaves, basically. Yeah. Trying to move the stars. In yeah, the sky. it's like you, you either spend your life completely swimming upstream. Yep. Or you spend your life floating in the lazy river, but right. you make absolutely none of the decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you marry who you're supposed to marry, you have the children when you're supposed to have the children. It's like the two different paths that mm-hmm. she she had, and neither of them were freedom. Nope. Like you were just stuck in this river. Now pick which one, which way you go. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. But it's interesting that she ends up bucking and like fighting against it because I feel like the easier path would be. To yeah, not. And, and she also had a like docile, like really like kind, innate gentle yeah. personality. So you wouldn't think that she would choose. The rebellious. Mm-hmm. I don't know, But though. she did. I don't know. Sometimes you see the, the babies of the family, they are the most obedient, pleasant children. In later years, they become the opposite of who they were as kids. So when Jackie was 14, she wrote a cheeky little prediction for each member of the family. And for herself, she wrote... Queen of the circus, and though admired by the world's greatest men, married the man on the flying trapeze. The foresight. And if you've been paying attention, you can probably predict what happens next. They get a divorce. Yes. (laughs) -uh. (laughs) Nah. Yes. Honestly, like, how did that happen five years earlier? (laughs) If anything's (laughs) happening with this family, it's for sure divorce. (laughs) pretty much or someone's dying like who knows someone's going to prison but definitely definitely whatever happens divorce divorce as well yeah mom and dad did not last too long under the same roof at night the girl's bedroom wall would literally shake from their like yelling and throwing things yeah jackie confessed later to her mom that sometimes she would sneak into the dark hallway where she could make out what they were fighting about like what they were saying and she would pray for hours for a resolution One time, Jack and Janet were fighting over an affair that Jack was having in front of Jackie, like little baby Jackie. Janet ended up shoving Jack, which caused him to stumble backwards and bust his head open on a doorknob. So obviously this made Jackie cry, and Janet realized that she needed to protect her children over anything else. So she left, and by 1938, they were officially separated. So I guess 10 years after they got married. So Jackie was nine. Jeez, that is a, a long while. marriage for the circumstances. Yep. Holy crap. He cheats Probably on her because, on their honeymoon and they last 10 years. Still. Yeah. And back then, like we said, being divorced was not what it is today. Oh, like a scarlet letter. Yeah. Jackie was would have been nine and then Lee would have been five. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. That summer, Blackjack rented the same East Hampton house that he and Janet had shared the summer before as a last-ditch, like, effort to patch things up and to be together. But Janet refused, and she rented another house for her and her girls 40 miles away instead. The staff also were under strict instruction to never allow Jack inside. Allegedly, their mom wasn't around too much that summer either, though, so the girls spent a lot of it just with maids and nannies, like – Yes, by themselves, which is so petty and ridiculous that they could have been spending time with their dad. Right. But And she sin. wouldn't allow it to happen. I understand how she was probably freaking angry because they he did throw away their whole family unit, you know. Right. But that definitely was at the expense of the kids. I feel like too many times you see a guy be a bad husband, mm-hmm. but a really good father. Right. And because freaking moms are only human. Right. And like literally you're destroying and you're affecting the kids too. Like obviously it's, you're taking away. You're choosing your fun over being there for your kids and your family. Right. But also like, yeah, is that actually better for the kids to be raised by maids instead of their father who is a cheater and like sucks, but like is their dad and wasn't abusive to them or wasn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Janet was actually a way with like male suitors and like trying to find a new husband basically she left instructions for the nannies that if either of the girls ever cried for their father that they were to be spanked and bernice anderson was their maid and she remembers that jackie threatened to run away to her father's house like uh, like often um back then and then she wrote once when their mother was away Jacqueline asked me to help her Find her father's number in the telephone book as she was so unhappy and wanted to talk to him without delay. So, in order to cope with the trauma of her mom and dad's breakup, Jackie began to separate herself from the world, like we said, and she kind of collapsed into herself. She learned how to participate without really being a part of things, to watch without being seen herself. She, more than ever, was hanging out by herself, reading poetry, painting, listening to music. She still rode horses, but any, like, free time was really spent alone and, like, private. Kind of emo. Yeah. So she was, before the divorce, like confident bright energetic competitive um and then afterwards she got really shy and she adapted to this like regal like slightly prissy temperament a little bit pretentious and she did that to kind of front like a fake a false confidence to hide like how shy and upset she was And that is like really the personality that she carried like throughout her life. She was still popular at school and she had a natural ability to influence, even though she lost a lot of her confidence. She still had that like natural poise and charm. She and Lee, though, were pretty much pawns in the war between her parents. So that's like pretty dramatic and affected Jackie like crazy. And Lee is even more sensitive. She wasn't as resilient as Jackie and she rarely remembered her childhood in a way that wasn't dark. All of her recollections and times that she would talk about her childhood, it was always incredibly depressed. I'm always over here just speculating, but I do think that the youngest child in the family has less, It's I don't even know if it's like technically- Coping skills. Less coping skills or like less resiliency, mm-hmm. but it's almost like- and maybe it's just because they're so, they're always the youngest that like things are happening to them at the youngest point, whereas the older children always have more time. Oh, yeah, that's true. They have a little bit more of their personality already formed. established. Yeah. Yes. Before things get rocky. Trauma. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily that or they're the youngest, so they are allowed to be less resilient because they are the baby of the family so other people are just more apt them. to help them mm-hmm. yeah as we grow up society tells us that you need to control your emotions and you need to have a like more poised composed front but with the baby of the family everyone kind of accepts that they have more emotions or like they can they're throw tantrums be- and whatever. well because they are they're allowed to be more emotional because they're younger yeah and so if everybody just keeps accepting that Because they're always the youngest? Because they're always the youngest. Then it's just like you were allowed to feel your feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She grew up super privileged, obviously. Lee was actually known to have her maids follow her anytime she went to the bathroom. They were required to drop gardenia petals in the toilet after she used the restroom. That is not even real. So this is the level of privilege But we know there are different types of privilege. There are different types of privilege and all the privilege, all the financial privilege in the world does not exempt you from trauma and from feelings and from being human and having emotions. Honestly, after Lasada, after East Hampton, I don't think she enjoyed any of her childhood or any of the privileges that she got to have because it was so clouded in depression in order to get through that, and she turned to escapism. Jackie kind of put up walls. Lee literally just went to another place. She said, I created a realm of fantasy and lived in it. At about six, I had three imaginary friends with the utterly inexplicable names of Shade, Dade, and Jamel. (laughs) They were girl spirits who wore ethereal floating dresses. Nothing down to earth about them. They lived in the house with me, except when we took trips together. They said, come, Lee, we'll take you away. I only remember that we flew and danced and everything was beautiful. They took me out of reality. Oh my God, why do I have like chills? It had to have been intense enough. And there's another quote of her later in life saying, living in a fairy tale can be hell. Don't people know that? So she knew... That she was privileged, but she also was like, guys, I'm Life not having sucks. a good time. Yeah, Their dad kind of became that like amusement park father figure, you know, comes and picks the them up. One. and Yes, exactly. The fun one. He gave them a monthly allowance and he would always take them fun places whenever he hung out with them. And he went back to... Living his carefree life that he had before marriage. And then Janet almost immediately, like I said, that summer began searching out bachelors that would be eligible for a solid marital relationship. She ended up settling down with Hugh Auchincloss. Tell me your high society without telling me your high society. (laughs) That name. He was ridiculously rich and well connected. So obviously, she's like, that's a great suitor. (laughs) <laughs> he had been married and divorced twice, but he was obviously like well-connected and networked enough and she had been divorced as well. He was also apparently a full-blown porn addict of all of the kinds of porn of porn that there were and Yikes. the ones that you never want to see. And also the ones that you don't necessarily want in the same house as your girls. Right. Speaking of that, he had an entire library in his home. Of porn. of porn a porn library like full-on addiction like that is part of your life or that is like i mean it's enough it was big enough of a deal that they literally wrote it down in history Jeez. this dude had an entire problem. room in his house for porn Ooh, euphoria vibes like that's like if there are no kids in the house okay, i that's don't one know thing. i don't know because let me tell it's you it's still freaking weird and no like, but let me tell you more details okay so, of all the research I did, it, like, glosses over it. Everyone's like, matter of fact, he was addicted to porn. He spent half of his money on porn. Yeah, yeah that's it doesn't weird. make a huge big deal of it. But it lists the types that he was into. And I, for one, am, like, super uncomfortable. It says that he was overall a, a, a like, nice guy. I don't even know how to say Guess he doesn't even want to say the words. Let me see. But he was a freaking like violent, no, um, like child porn. Yes. <gasps> What's it called? Not pervert, pedophile. Pedophile. He, this dude is a pedophile, a pedophile and is moving into a house with two underage girls. Jeez. So, and it like legit, but he had money, so he's, he's and he had connections and he had money. Oh. like how stupid are people first of all but second of all is she just thinking like i'm talking about janet is she thinking he just boys will be boys it's porn she's probably not looking like i don't think back then yeah she probably wasn't looking at what he was looking at yeah she probably was thinking it's just porn is porn it's It says like out of all the books that I read and everything that neither Lee nor Jackie were ever very close to him and I just hope that that's true. During their time living in the Auchincloss household, their feelings of being other quote unquote were cemented and if you haven't listened to the Disney podcast yet, this is also a theme in the Disney story of like them two against the world but with Walt and Roy Disney they like clung to each other in that. And in this, it was like Jackie and Lee were in a competition for the world to like them again. It's almost like it was still them against the world, but like in a completely different way because there are siblings who are not necessarily estranged, but like their world doesn't revolve around each other at all. And they're just kind of like, right, either keeping the peace or fighting or whatever, but it doesn't really matter that much. It's not an intense relationship. Mm -hmm. And with Walt and Roy, it was a intense like soulship, just completely their world Revolved was each other around each other mm-hmm. no their world was each other that's true yeah and in this one it's like their world revolves around each other but in a oh, completely yes. toxic way yes exactly that is wow but then he hasn't even ra- heard the rest of <laughs> the story like, i don't even know what's coming but... was well said that was exactly like, either you are really smart or i'm telling the story well really well i think it's that <laughs> because in both relationships they care so much about each other and they don't I mean so far in this story they don't even think about cutting each other out completely Mm -hmm. like they're always going to be like that's just fact their foundation is each other but with Walt and Roy it's like they're trying to build each other up and in this one it's like they're almost suffocating each other but they don't know how to not do that their half-brother Jamie Auchincloss said that as a young woman Jackie had a definite look of destiny as if she was inevitably going to be someone unique. Lee was an attractive girl who seemed like she was struggling to keep up, whereas Jackie was always sure that life would unfold for her with good fortune. Lee had a more pessimistic attitude. Despite this stark difference in their personalities, they truly did love one another. They were constantly whispering to one another conspiratorially as if it was them against the world. I didn't even think about their stepdad already having kids. Oh, yes. he. Sorry, he did. he already had kids. Okay, several. I'm getting a sense that this dynamic is them against the world within that relationship. Yes. But within each other's relationship, it was them against each other. So it's yes. like, it's kind of like when someone else picks on your sibling. Uh, yeah, it's okay you you are for completely, like, you defending to do it, but them. not for them. Right, you're mm-hmm. completely offended by that person and defending your sibling. But you will literally rip each other apart Yep. in a second if you have the chance. So they just had that like typical sibling relationship, but to an extreme. Yes. Which I feel like is a theme in these. It's almost like if you are going to be so close as kids and as adults, there is some sort of extremism. Yeah. Enmeshment, extremism. Mm -hmm. You're not and you're not well balanced. (laughs) Yeah. Whether you're completely soulmates or you hate each other hate each other and it's your life mission to like prove each other wrong i don't know like if in the books you read or whatever if you if they said anything about them feeling like their step siblings were their siblings did they always feel just like separate? it was it, it was pretty separate they were like on good terms and they were pretty close yeah but, but more like cousins or something they yeah weren't like uh, it wasn't a melting pot of just like we're all family right it wasn't like oh there's no lines like there were lines So one year before Lee got to high school and after Jackie was already away at school, Lee was left alone while her mom and Hugh went on vacation. She stayed at the mansion in Virginia with like maids. I think she was about 14. Jackie was at school. Like they went to boarding Boarding school. school. Janet and Hugh were in chilly deep sea fishing and Lee got lonely. So she went down. To the local Catholic orphanage and tried to adopt a girl to replace Jackie. Oh my gosh! Talk about enmeshment. Like <laughs> yeah. cannot cope without a sister. She's like <laughs> how do I solve all of my problems in life? What I I'm going to is a sister. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) She was like 13 or 14. And obviously the mother superior at the orphanage was like, unfortunately, honey, you're You're just too young. (laughs) So Lee said, all I did was play in the woods with my dogs day after day. And so I and a very fat cook called Nellie, who was also my only friend, decided I could not stand it any longer. I looked up in the yellow classified pages, orphanages, and took my pathetic allowance and called a taxi. During the summer of 1947, the girls were entered into a debutante ball, and Jackie ended up winning the entire thing. Naturally. Of course. Like, she literally wins everything, which um, basically a debutante ball, it basically means that she was like the homecoming queen, but not just for her school, for like the entire East Coast upper class. What the fuck? Do you remember Eloise, where her yes. mom was like the debutante? the debutante. She wore a chic off-the-shoulder white tulle gown, but unbeknownst to her, Lee had been working with a local designer all summer and had been figuring out how she could completely upstage her sister. (laughs) So she had a pink strapless dress made covered in rhinestones and literally stole the spotlight. Like everybody was freaking out about Lee's dress and even though Jackie won, She stole their jaws, were on the floor for Lee. Yes, they were really close at the time, like they weren't fighting or anything. But Lee was like, Everybody likes you better than me, I need something for myself. That feeling never went away, they never grew out of it. And honestly, like as I was reading everything, I feel like if it were me, I hope that I would be a little bit more accommodating. And I feel like Jackie. Should have leveled the playing field a little bit. Like, I feel like she should have done something. Like, been a little more aware that. I've been a little more aware, been a little bit more like welcoming, in sharing the spotlight with Lee. Especially since their parents didn't necessarily have their back as the older sister. Yeah, you would hope, but also like they're freaking children. I mean, I I definitely understand, but. And I feel like you just don't, like, I was, as an older sister, I was very unaware of, it's like I always included my sisters because I would feel guilty if I didn't hang out with them, Mm -hmm. and so I was always bringing my friends over to our house so that we could all be together, right? but I wasn't necessarily aware of, like, how their identity was being formed or, like, how they were feeling internally about... Uh, Yeah, I didn't think of, like, the internal feelings at all. Mm -hmm. It was more like, oh, I don't want to exclude them from the the fun, but I never thought, like, they need me to... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot to ask of a kid. The one thing that Lee did have over her sister was that in high school, a lot of people thought that she was prettier than Jackie. She had a more feminine, curvy body, and she accentuated it by dieting and even taking Jackie's advice to take up smoking in order to keep the weight off. And I am like laughing, but this actually did um, set up an entire lifetime of eating disorders for Lee. Dude, these twiggy days were not. It was not it. Not it. So according to Lee, she kind of painted them in high school and early college like this. Jackie wanted to learn all the arts. I wanted to learn the art of being popular. I behaved as though the world should know me. Then her sister, who doesn't even want to be the center of attention, marries the leader of the free world and grows up to be a style icon for decades. But you say she didn't want to be the center of attention, but she always had. I know it is so the confusing. center of attention, so I don't necessarily think that she didn't want it. She just didn't have to work for it. Yeah. and also it's like the grass is always greener in making matters worse. You know that um designer that Lee worked with on her debutante dress that was like pink and sparkly. Yes. Jackie ended up getting credit for discovering him after becoming the first lady. People were like, "Oh my gosh, shut up years Jackie later. Jackie discovered this new designer that's unheard of and he's brilliant. He was Lee's discovery. Wow. So yeah, Jackie did make things a lot worse on Yes, I'm saying like she could have been like, no, my my sister Lee is the style icon. Despite their differences, they were still like super close growing up and they made their rounds to all of their favorite restaurants in New York when they visited their dad. And they actually um, years later ended up getting kicked out of Elaine's, which is a one of their favorite restaurants in the Upper East Side because they would h- hang around for hours and hours and order nothing but water. And just talk and gossip and they would sit at the front and like become this spectacle and they weren't ordering any food and the restaurant's like, get Get out. out. During the summer of 1951, the two girls convinced Janet to let them go on a trip to Europe by themselves. 18-year-old Lee and 23-year-old Jackie in their wrist length white gloves and matching suit sets and pearls got on the plane and started their journey in Paris Three years earlier, Jackie had actually studied abroad in Paris by herself and had written to Lee about what she called the happiest year of her life. And while Jackie was studying in France that year, she saw firsthand the effects of the Second World War. The host family that she stayed with was a part of a French resistance group called the Alliance. And as a result, that dad of the family, the father, was taken to a German slave labor camp. Yeah, he was captured. And unfortunately he only lasted four months at that camp before he passed away and then the uh the mom of that host family was taken as well but she had survived the concentration camp and so when the war ended she got to go back home and the reason that she even opened her house to renters was because her husband had passed away and so she had to keep paying the bills in his absence and that is how Jackie ended up staying there. So that experience definitely served her well in her future life leading the U.S., and she carried that perspective with her whenever she was there. Obviously, life hadn't returned to normal at all in France, and it was 1949, so... It was like four years after Mm -hmm. the war ended, and there were still tons of chaos. There were like rations still for sugar and coffee, um, and there was even still like some rubble and destruction in the streets. Coal was scarce, and so their apartment that they were staying in with the host family was like frigid in the winter. During her trip, actually, one of Jackie's friends, she was one of the other exchange students, um, invited her on a trip to go to Austria and Germany, and... (laughs) The friend actually said that she was surprised that Jackie accepted the invite because they were going to have to travel third class by railroad. And here is a quote from Jackie about her experience on that trip with like the traveling and stuff. And I think it like shows you how she had a really kind, like sweet, genuine heart, but she also was like a princess, a princess. It says, it's so much more fun traveling second and third class and sitting up all night in the trains as you really get to know people and hear their stories. When I traveled before, it was all too luxurious and we didn't see anything. Aww. so says, yeah, it's like she literally... I mean, when you are born and bred into that yes. world, you literally don't know yeah. what common folk like go through. Or... She actually grew up in a bubble. Yeah. That's and so, so this was like her world was just exploding and opening with all these new experiences and, like, getting to see how other people lived, not only in another country, not only after a war, but also just, like, a lower class. Yeah. Yeah. So as you can imagine, um, we're, like, laughing about the lower class stuff, but what Jackie saw on that trip was life-changing. They spent a few days in Vienna, where a bunch of the city was, again, still, like, bombed out and in ruins still. And then in Munich, they were only a 10-minute trolley ride away from the first Nazi concentration camp where medical experiments had been practiced on the prisoners there. My gosh, being that up close. And so fresh after it. Yeah, I cannot imagine, like, the feeling of being there. More than 41,000 people had been murdered in that camp, and... They were either worked to death or they died by disease or malnutrition. And then a lot of of them were gassed and cremated in ovens in that camp. When the American GIs arrived, they found 5,400 corpses still in the camp. Like, just laying around. And then over 15,000 had been buried in like a mass grave there by the Nazis. So many chills. And also, I cannot... Mad. I can't imagine being there, being there as an American, being there in your early 20s when you're, like, still trying to figure things out, mm-hmm. but also to know that she's going to go on to be the first yeah. lady is, like, chills because... It's crazy. I mean, we we helped rescue those people and to know yeah, that, she, like, you are going to be right. in charge. Like, in the future, she was going to be in charge yeah. of... And, but that, ha- that had to have given her such pride for our country. Yeah and yeah. like gratefulness. Yeah, but to yeah. be an American in that day and age, I cannot imagine the the absolute pride and just quite different than right gratitude. Now. Yeah. I know. It's sad. <laughs> Anyway, by the time that Jackie visited the camp, obviously it had been sanitized and preserved as a memorial site, but they walked through like empty whitewashed rooms in eerie silence, she said, and Jackie never Wrote directly about her experience. I'm sure that it was like, What do you say? Yeah. But she did tell her stepbrother about her time there and said that she had been deeply affected by what she saw there and never forgot it. After returning to the States from studying abroad, she finished out her studies as a French literature major at George Washington University in DC. And I think that she chose that after her trip experience. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she was kind of she had kind of already set out to be in the political like a little bit yeah she's in dc she was definitely like prepped and primed but uh, she was in dc because the auction classes actually lived like right outside dc in virginia Mm, okay so it was a little bit proximity but she definitely was like in the dc scene That trip to Europe matured her pretty quickly and was a big factor, like you were saying, of determining who she was going to be. And a college friend said she always had that worldview. This trip and this experience was why she wanted to take Lee to France and like how she discovered
1: the culture, the culture love for and the all people. that. Yeah.
0: I think that Lee was like interested in French culture before, but then Jackie studied abroad and was like, Lee, we have to go. So the second Europe trip, the one that Lee went on, may have been the time in which the Bouvier sisters were the closest that they ever were. They kept a scrapbook journal of all of their adventures to show their mom when they got back. And it was actually published in 2005 as One Special Summer, if you want to like check it out and see. So yeah. cute. They snuck onto first class dinner dances on a ship. Jackie took art lessons. Lee actually tried to take voice lessons from the quote unquote queen of all sopranos in Italy, but she was so nervous that she could barely sing. And then one night when they were at a, a dinner, Lee's underwear started falling down while she was talking to an ambassador. How does your, how <laughs> I, that's baggy what- does your underwear have to be? <laughs> That's to be the down. exact thing that I was oh, wondering. Much. Oh my gosh, I don't understand it really. Like, are they talking about her pantyhose? Like, I don't understand. But it <laughs> sounds like they had like some Bloomers? hysterical. <laughs> it sounds like they had some like really fun, like hysterical memories like and like moments together. Trap moments. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, later, looking back through the scrapbook that they made, Lee said to Jackie. Look at us. How did all of those countries let us in? We look like two criminals arriving off the boat. So cute and Mm -hmm. mischievous and fun. One of their most impactful experiences on this trip was meeting one of their heroes. He was a Renaissance art historian called Bernard Berenson. He was 86 years old with a white beard and a lifetime of wisdom to share. He told them, never follow your senses. Marry someone who will constantly stimulate you and you him. But Lee's first question oh it breaks my heart it had nothing to do with like art or love she blurted out why did mommy divorce daddy she was 17 and like still trying to figure out like what the what frick happened? happened yeah that so- sucks because kids like literally especially if parents don't explain to the kids what's going on mm-hmm. it's just like everything is happening to them they have no control over it but they also have no understanding of it yeah, and your childhood already, like, you can't really remember all of it, and you were a child when it happened, so the memories are tainted by, like, not having perspective and, like, not really knowing what was going on, Um, but then you're in this first-class family who, like, basically secrets are the profession, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that is how they operated, and they didn't talk about things that were uncomfortable, so she, like, it really, really so did confused. not know yeah. what the frick was going on. It's so sad. And I don't think that they ever really talked about it after she grew up either. Obviously, he didn't have the answer to that. So he didn't really answer her question. Um, He just served them tea and explained that all experiences are either life enhancing or life diminishing and warned them not to waste your life with diminishing people who aren't stimulating. And if you find it's often that you are with unstimulating people, it must be because you yourself are not stimulating. And Lee like hung on to that and she really shaped her life around that philosophy, and she went on, you'll see, like, she would always seek out the most interesting person in the room, and she did, if nothing else, successfully live an interesting life. So the very last week of their trip, they stayed with a count and countess that their stepfather, Hugh um knew and in an estate that had once belonged to Napoleon's sister. My gosh, the connections. The connections. I... I when just you can't are, understand. When you are born into that world, like there is no way for you to almost, like there's almost no way for you to n- not be somebody. Be successful. hmm Like not only do you have the financial means, you just know people. You just know people and the amount of wisdom that you're getting at such an early age, like you, the wisdom or also just like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. The opportunities just fall before you. <laughs> but like people who are like just trying to get food on the table and stuff, like you're not having right. these conversations you about are, like find n- the most interesting person in the room. You're always right. at 17 years old. You're not thinking about. Absolutely. Who you're talking to, networking, but like that's the such things a part that, of that will world. actually make like the the biggest differences. There's not enough time for that because you're just trying to eat food and pay your bills. Yeah. There's not enough like mental energy to even like. Or, and you don't it. know the people who know those things. Right. That's yeah. yeah, and that and the classes were even more divided back then because right. you didn't have all of the wisdom the, on social the media and, and yeah, googling things. It was here at that estate that Napoleon's sister used to own that the girls made the faux pas heard round the world. They left without saying goodbye to their hostess. They had an early morning flight back to America, and they decided that it would be inconsiderate for them to wake her up before they left, and. They said that later they were just being polite. But when the countess woke up to find them gone, she thought that that was absolutely the most rude thing that they could do. And so Lee remembered, we were accomplices, but only for a short time. I die. I'm like, what's about to happen? I know something's happening, but like, what is happening? Like, why? Like, why couldn't they just figure it out? I know, it's so frustrating. It just gets more frustrating. So much to their mother's horror, when they got back, Jackie got a job as a journalist in Washington, D.C. Her column was called The Inquiring Camera Girl. She would take photos and then ask questions to D.C. residents from all walks of life. So she talked to construction workers, hospital staff, hotel clerks, truck drivers, and young politicians as well. She's really getting cultured and meeting people from all walks of life. Yeah, like her worldview is really like opening up to... No, it's like she is privileged, but she definitely was also experiencing and listening to other people. Okay, so Lee, right around this time, was at the end of her sophomore year in college at Sarah Lawrence and she went to Rome with Janet for the summer. And so while she was in Rome, she continued her vocal lessons that she had like started taking on that trip with Jackie. But when Janet found out that her Italian vocal coach was actually from Mississippi. She dismissed Lee's new venture and chalked it up to just another one of Lee's pipe dreams. Lee was done singing after a few weeks anyway. She said that she was going to take textile design courses next summer because she loved to draw and paint. Her mom just said, finally, draw and paint then. Which I like get the sense that like nobody just nobody takes Lee seriously. And like it is partly her fault, but like also somebody believe in her. I don't know I feel like compared to Jackie she just looks like she is so indecisive and doesn't know what she wants yeah and I understand like when she does just hop around like it's only natural to just be like okay whatever like this isn't gonna last but I also feel bad for her Jackie has such an intense and like clear focus and perspective on like what she wants and who she is who she is and the motivation to get it done mm -hmm. it's easy to get behind someone like that it's so hard to get behind someone who like doesn't really know what they want yep And it's also really hard to be someone who doesn't know what they they want. want. Yeah, exactly. But it just is what it is sometimes. Yeah. And like it's not always someone's fault. It's right. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. So after a few months um, in Rome together, Janet went home to America, but Lee convinced her to let her stay in London and then she was going to continue on to Paris without her mom. She promised that she would be back to the States in time for the beginning of the new school year in September. But when she got back, She found out that she would have to repeat a few of her courses at Sarah Lawrence and she wouldn't be able to continue on where she left off. So I dropped out and just never went back, Lee remembers. (laughs) (laughs) She'd always hated school anyway. And again, Janet was infuriated. Quite a lot was expected of one. This is Lee talking. We were expected to do what we did well and to be decent. But we were never decent enough. We never did well enough. Always, we weren't working hard enough for Mummy's taste. Her friend, even at the time, was her sister, although there were understandable signs of rivalry. She also remembers when Jackie visited the campus and decided to show a portfolio of her drawings to one of Lee's favorite professors. Jackie was a gifted artist, but never really had any training, and she was pleased when the art history professor spent nearly an hour going over her portfolio. Lee wasn't. Honestly, what the balls? People who are just born so, so talented uh a- annoying. So many things like I'm sure it's a weight and like a burden to be that talented. And good luck is it. <laughs> but also what the crap is in your water, dude? Like and people, people who just the stars that, align for, like I'm sorry. Who yes. are you and why? First of all, oh my gosh, yes. Second of all, not only was she just good at everything, but she was also a people person, and she just had this energy that people just automatically liked her. That's what her. I'm saying. Like, she... But, like, she wasn't just good at tasks. Right. She, she was wasn't not like just, a, like, a book nerd that was, like, Bill super Gates. smart or whatever. Yeah. No. She was also charismatic and pretty and people and wanted stylish, to be her, and, and people, she could rally people, and oh she was a natural gosh. born leader. So, obviously, like... I feel, Lee is freaking annoyed. And she literally says out loud to her professor, I wish you would someday spend half as much time on me. And then left. (laughs) And now you see Little Sister's Dilemma. A friend of Lee's from around this time accompanied Lee and Janet around New York City one day. Lee had landed a job working for Harper's Bazaar at the time, a big victory for Lee. She wanted to show her mom around the office and introduce her to her boss, Diana Vreeland. Janet had been a big fan of her and she was kind of like a fashion genius of the time until she met her. Diana's quote unquote no time for lollygagging demeanor instantly changed Janet's opinion of the woman. A tight schedule is no excuse for bad manners, was all Janet had to say about the visit. Of course, mom disapproving again. Again! It's like not about like, oh my gosh, Lee, you did such a good job getting this job. It's like, your boss sucks. So after the office tour, they met up with Jackie at an oyster bar below Grand Central Station, which we've eaten down there. It's so cute. According to the friend that was with them, when they spotted Jackie, Jackie jumped up and ran over to them squealing like a little girl and Jackie was immediately full of questions. Was Lee enjoying her job? Was Diana Vreeland still just awful? Had she put aside any interesting fashion magazines for her? The friend said their closeness was immediately obvious. They would even finish each other's sentences. Dina, the friend, says for I would say 15 minutes it was as if there was no one else in the room. Their eyes were filled with such admiration for each other. Mrs. Auchincloss a.k.a. Janet, sat quietly studying her menu as the two sisters went on and on. Lee's daughter-in-law reflected on the struggles that Lee had being the younger sister of the queen. Here's her perspective. I think it was hard to be overshadowed by her sister. When you feel like you have something to say and you just know no one is ever going to be interested, whereas your sister is beloved on the world stage. Most siblings have stuff between them, but how about the world likes you best. You can't fight that. And that is the end of our first episode. Next episode, we are going to be talking about their marriages, miscarriages, affairs, the presidency of JFK, all the way up until his assassination. So it's going to be a super interesting episode. It should already be loaded in your iTunes podcast app or on Spotify. So click play and we will see you there. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, and please, please give us a rate and review because we are a baby podcast, and it helps us be found by other people who want to hear stories.